Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm so excited because I have Lewis Robling on the podcast today. We're talking all about ultramarathons, mental health, and how he got into running after 10 years of rugby. So just sit back and relax. We'll just jump right into the episode. All right, so I'm so excited to have Lewis Robling on the podcast today. We actually met, I think, a month ago now at an ASICS launch event for the Gel Nimbus 25s. He was one of the panel speakers and very inspiring, very cool guy. And I'm very excited to have him on the podcast today. So I will hand it over to Lewis to introduce a bit more about himself and just share more about who he is. Cool. Well, firstly, thanks, Liz, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to uh, excited to get into this. I mean, God, who am I? Well, what I do, my background I've, as a professional rugby player for 10 years, lockdown came around and hung up my boots. From then, somehow discovered this is a very quick overview but somehow discovered ultra running and loved it so much uh, that I decided to make it a much bigger part of my life so qualified as a as a running coach ultra running coach uh, PT and now here I am I suppose three years later uh, a running coach yeah I, I think that's me but that's that's what I do in terms of who I am I think it's a different question I mean I uh, I'm very passionate about fitness I'm passionate about exploring what I'm capable of but I think without sounding like Miss World too much I get my kicks from helping other people find that within them you know and I think after doing that ultramarathon that was another part of why I wanted to get into this because I learned more about myself in in those two days of that first ultra than I had done in 10 years as a professional athlete I think that says a lot so yeah passionate about that and that's kind of me really awesome awesome and when you kind of went from playing rugby for quite a long time into ultra running did you ever when you were a rugby player did you ever consider running because I know like when I grew up playing sports I always kind of looked at running as just conditioning but I never saw it as like a sport of its own yeah well I I I hated running. <laughs> it's it's interesting because uh I mean we'd turn up to preseason every every year and um the running was the one aspect of it that you really it was very unpleasant it was very uncomfortable and you kind of dreaded it. I think my my passions lay more so in the gym when I was playing rugby. I used to love love that aspect of it, but when it came to running, I used to find it much harder to get into it. So now turning to running as I've retired is a really interesting one. But like I said, I found more interestingly I found more of myself in running than I ever have done. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. <laughs> um so tell us about I read that in 2022 you attempted to raise 25,000 pounds or 250 hours of early intervention therapy for those that need it by running head on into a 5 by 250 kilometer multi-stage ultra marathon in 8 months in some of the toughest climates of, around the world so like you say that you just got into like one ultra but like tell us about like really what spurred you mm-hmm. into becoming so passionate about it I think that kind of says a lot about my personality doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm someone that is very much all or nothing and I have been since being a kid but I suppose to go back to like why I did the five 250s I think like anyone I turned to running in in lockdown because there was nothing else to do and I knew that I needed something to to keep me sane obviously there were no gyms open there was I just retired so I didn't really know who I was I, I was a professional rugby player for 10 years and now I didn't know who I was so I think running became my tool to obviously let off some steam but I think the more that I ran the more that I felt the more I fell in love with it like the the feeling after a run the endorphins flowing I think I mean actually my first run after after we retired and when lockdown hit down I 
I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out, start running. I'm just going to go and run a half marathon. Why not? See if I can do it. <laughs> uh, that didn't go so well. So I actually did my, did my ankle in. So I was out for four weeks after that. So I learned very quickly not that I couldn't do that with running. But so with this kind of five, two, five 250k challenge in, uh, in lockdown, running was profound for a few reasons. The first being it the opportunity to do my first ultra marathon, which is 125k ultra in the Peak District with a company called Ultra X, that came about by chance through um, my girlfriend, a new uh, girl called Hannah Tilesley, who worked for Ultra X, and saw that I did a um, a challenge in the summer. Uh, I did the 4448 David Goggins. Uh, I've done that a couple of times. Oh, have you? So you know all about it. It's yeah. fantastic, brilliant. Great. I, love, I loved it. I loved it, and I it was the first time I'd, I'd raised money for charity as well. So again, during lockdown, um, sadly, um, Steph won't mind me saying, but my girlfriend Steph, her her granddad passed him because mm. of dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, so we it was a really tough time for the family. Steph was meant to run the marathon, London Marathon, that April for him, and and sadly that marathon was cancelled, and he 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 passed on. So I decided to do something to try and give back, and and I was running, and I saw, and I read "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. So you can, yeah. I don't know if you've read that book as well, but that does yeah. things to you. And I decided to do it, and I ended up raising tw- um, ten grand in two days in doing wow. that challenge. And it was the first time I'd ran for something more powerful than me, that a, a higher purpose than me. And and can't describe that feeling. It was I'd never felt that sense of fulfillment before. So anyway, that was kind of the journey along the journey of, of getting into running and running and then fast forward to set to september that same year hannah reached out to steph and said oh, does lou fancy a challenge all you have to say all that was all you need to tell me is kind of fancy a challenge and i'm gonna say yes and, I, and and at the time i needed it my mental health was as far as i was aware was okay but i was trying to manage a business that i started when i was playing rugby and it wasn't going too well and i'm in danger of going off on a bit of a tangent here as well because there's so many layers to this but essentially it wasn't it was kind of reaffirming that i wasn't good enough and all of a sudden this opportunity comes up to run an ultra marathon that I had no right to finish so it was almost like a no pressure situation turn up to the start line I had four and a half weeks to train for an ultra marathon bearing in mind the longest I'd ever run apart from the 4448 was a half marathon I got injured so there was no pressure it, it was only opportunity and I remember I had four weeks to train so three weeks of kind of long runs and then up it up to the peaks to do the race and that was the race that I, I mean I made all the mistakes in the world I'd never eaten and ran before so over those two days I couldn't keep anything down with Without being too I think those that are listening that are runners will know all about that uh, so for two days I couldn't eat, keep anything down I lost so much weight but there was this energy inside me that no matter what happened I was never going to stop I mean I tore my the top of my calf slash yeah I think it was the top of my calf on day one and even with a torn calf I still ran 50k the next day so there was this oh. and I think it came from a place of just I needed to prove to myself that I was good enough I needed to prove mm. to myself that Rugby was never what I thought it could be. This business was never what I thought it could be. So this running was so much more to me than just this race. Um, and I think that's why, and, and, and the places you go to, like I never experienced pain like that. I never experienced kind of delirium like that in a way, like, but also the beauty of the peak districts on two, these gorgeous days, there's this roller coaster of emotions from being in an absolute pit to then all of a sudden getting to the top of the hill, being able to appreciate the views and then get them back. And it's just this roller coaster. And I remember finishing that race and just breaking down in emotion. I cried for ages. Mm. Um, I finished that race a new person but what i didn't realize which is and then this brings me on to um this there was a point to this story (laughs) so once the race had finished what i was not aware of is that after a high high like that when you finish something and you accomplish something so amazing typically there's going to be some sort of low following because there's 
our bodies we we work in equilibrium right there's a there's a balance to everything you experience a high high there's probably going to be a bit of a low afterwards that's just how our bio, biology works i'm pretty sure there's some sort of chemical reaction that happens as well yeah. but i don't know enough about that to be able to comment on it but about three weeks after um this race i experienced i mean obviously i just experienced it's amazing i can achieve this race on top of the world and then i'm back into reality mm. I think nothing was planned for afterwards. It was just thrown back into the world of you're running, uh, you're you're running this business. It's not serving you financially. You're in trouble. Like all of these, all of these different factors were then reaffirming that I wasn't good enough. So I had a bit of a low after that. And I reached, well, I ended up reaching out for help, which again, coming from a rugby background where um, the idea of masculinity had been mm. kind of just drilled into me to it, like, don't be soft, like all of these kind of toxic rhetoric that i've been that i've been accustomed to for 10 years every part of me was saying you're weak you're weak mm. don't you dare don't reach out you're weak you're weak and i'm very grateful that i found the strength because it is a strength it's a superpower to be able yeah. to reach out for help and and i'm very grateful that i was able to do it before things got bad obviously i didn't let it get to the point where and i mean i don't even talk about but essentially big moose were there for me when i needed the most i reached out to those guys i saw um my first ever therapist in december um graham um and he helped me over the next four months to essentially make sense of my mind make sense of what was going on why i was feeling the way i was feeling and the more i understood myself the more purposeful and meaningful um and the better i could plan my next steps to to be able to move forward and it changed my life um it really changed my life so anyway that was in 2020 and then 2021 became the year of ultra like the year of getting into running so i did a few races i i ended up doing a 250k my first 250k race that summer in wales again with ultra x you've been very kind to me and i've been able to experience some incredible races with them so that that was that was with them and it got to the point where i did that 250k and that was kind of my focus and and from there it was like well i've spent 2021 running for me i know a hell of a lot more about myself i'm continuing to have therapy um i'm in a much better place now's the time to give back so I had a little bit of a research and what I wanted to do I was looking at all the types of things and I realized that no one had ever done all five of the ultra x 250ks in a year and I uh, pitched the idea to them and uh, thankfully said yes you you can you can do it we can give you the the race entries um for free for charity um just cover your travel so I'm very very grateful to that and and then started that challenge which was five 250ks from March to November in Sri Lanka, Slovenia, Wales, the same race as the year before, um, Jordan, the desert, and then Mexico and the Copper Canyons. Wow. So yeah, that was that was that. That sounds uh, amazing. Oh, that was a bit of a bit of a long bit of a long story, but that's how that came about, essentially. No, I think a lot of a lot of people can relate to that what you were speaking about in terms of everything in your life kind of going wrong, but running being sort of the one thing that you can kind of turn to and like it kind of giving you that feeling of purpose when you need it and kind of knowing that you have something that you can work towards when your job or school or something may not be going the way that you want it to. And so, and I think like being open as well about like asking for help, I think that that's so important I think just you know especially for men but men and women I think like more than ever mental health is so important and I think running plays such a great part in that but I think as well like having people like yourself to share your story and share you know how and why it's okay to ask for help and you know encourage people more because otherwise I think people can you know get really 
in their heads and they let everything sort of fester up until it explodes. And, you know, you, you don't know what to do with these emotions. You don't know what to do with these feelings. And yeah. I think it takes, like you said, a lot of strength to reach out for professional help. No, I, I completely agree. And I think going back to, to the to the name, kind of running head on, running running is a great tool to use, but running is never the solution. I was running away from my problems. Running was a great distraction. And to a certain extent, maybe it still is. But the name running head on, it, it comes from facing you, these things head on. It, like the running created and it gave me the space to be able to understand where I was at. It, 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 it built my confidence to the point where I was able to, it proved, it proved to me that I could achieve these things, that I could set myself a goal and I could achieve it. Running has that power, but facing your mental health head on, that requires, like you've got to speak about it. Yeah. You've got to be you've got to be open with and honest with yourself and speaking to a professional like it's probably the most courageous thing I ever did. And I don't think I, I would have been able to have addressed those thoughts and problems on my own. Having someone that having someone there to be able to share that those kind of deepest, darkest insecurities with and to be able to talk through them and, and understand how to because they was oh man, it was hard. Like as as anyone knows, like speak like it's hard to bring those things up because a lot of it will come from a long time ago when you're when you're a child and you, and you don't realize that those things are there and you'll start talking through them and you'll understand oh wow that's where that comes from now i understand it now i know what to do to overcome that mm. um it never goes away i think yeah. it never goes away and how running never running never gets any easier yet we keep go we, we we keep trying over and over and over again it never gets any easier and i think that's the point with mental health like it'll never get any easier to 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 bring these feelings up you just you just get better at it yeah no, that's a really great way to put it. And I guess from when you spoke up and sort of, you know, advocated for yourself, did you, did that then spur you on to want to share with others, maybe like close friends and encourage others if, if anyone would confide in you? How would you go about reminding people that it's okay to be vulnerable, to show emotion and to remind each other that your greatest weakness can be turned into strength, as you say? Yeah, no, I think I think it comes from just telling your story. I'm not an expert. And it, it, like any at the moment someone claims to be an expert, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, like <laughs> it comes from I know and I can only talk from my own experience. I understand how much that helped me. And if I can direct people to a place where they can get help and they can because their journey is going to look very different to my journey. We're all different. But if you if, if if you can just encourage someone to take that step and talk about your own experience and how it's helped you, that's all you can do, really. That's all you can do. Because I often feel I, I, I don't want to be that guy that's talking about it all the time and always talking about it because it's, I don't know, for, for me, sometimes it, it can it can overwhelm me if I talk about it too much. I was going to ask what um which of your five of those five 250 k races which was probably the most emotional or unforgettable if you had to pick one oh blimey i think the the first one i think sri lanka was the toughest and most emotional because there was just so much to overcome those i mean we originally we i, I thought sri lanka would be the easiest because it was flat mm. but sri lanka was <laughs> sri lanka was nothing short of brutal like it was 39 degrees for maybe four of the five days um it was 100 percent humidity so wow trying to run in that heat i'd never experienced anything like it and and the feeling of run, running in that heat is you've got to be so careful not only with your nutrition but your hydration um the amount of electrolytes you're consuming because working in that heat your body your core body temp temperature is obviously 
very important to manage, but you can feel your core body temperature warming up the harder you work. So you're flirting because obviously you want to get out the sun as quickly as possible. So you're working as hard as you can to manage the heat. So you're, it's almost, I wasn't working as hard as I could do in terms of physically and what I felt like I'd trained for, but I was just trying to manage the heat. Like, Mm. because you get that wrong can you rev that engine a little bit too hard in those conditions and uh you're putting yourself at risk you're i mean you're without being overly dramatic your life is at risk if you put if if you put too hard in those conditions and there was no rest and in terms of you'd finish you'd finish each day and even if if you'd finish at kind of three o'clock in the afternoon and you had time to to eat and relax and recover it's still 30 degrees like mm. even when you get to the evening, it was still 26, 27 degrees. You're sleeping in a tent. You're sleeping in a tent with six people. It's still 100 percent humidity. And imagine what a tent feels like after being in the sun all day. Like it, <laughs> we, we, we were sleeping about an hour and a half a night, if that, if you're lucky. Wow. Um, so I think to compound that on top of everything else, Sri Lanka was um, was crazy. But the group of people in Sri Lanka was like was was oh, just some of the best people. I mean, Josh Patterson could become really close with now. Leon, Ben Parker, all, all the just an amazing, amazing group of people. And what brought us all together was that on day four, sorry, day three, we finished the day and um, all of a sudden there was this huge downpour of rain. Like mm. I've never seen a tropical storm like it in my life. And we were camping um, on the edge of a lake. Bear in mind, we're in the jungle in Sri Lanka. So there's caiman, there's snakes, there's like wildlife. Is a... We were given a, a card at the start of the week as a safety card and all it had on it was beware of these animals snakes monkey <laughs> elephants and crocodiles and you're like what are we about to embark on but um but any so anyway so we're camping on the side of this lake and day three um the heavens opened and uh the lake flooded and because we were right on the bank of the lake a uh, bank of the lake the water level rose and rose and rose and within half an hour the tents were flooded so we we then were told to run to our tents pack our bags really like imminently because what had happened that the lake had flooded but also inland had flooded so like the water level was rising 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 um it's like a scene from a movie like these six jeeps came um driving into camp oh, gosh. Um, we all packed up our bags left the tents there to get flooded we jumped on the back of these like safari trucks and then you could see all of the local like we had a they had a local team and the ultra x ultra x team and they were working together to liaise on the ground with the route and, and stuff like that and the the local team worked so so hard and they were so efficient that they managed to get us a um oh they knew a local um, man who lived in a temple so the temple was big enough to sleep 70 people so we we wow. drove to the temple in the middle of Sri Lankan jungle and slept in an open-air temple for the evening like it was just amazing just amazing like it talk about adversity and talk about like being thrown a curveball and being able to manage it on the go like let's, this is why ultras are so they're, they're amazing in terms of like replicating life mm. I mean you when a curveball is going to be thrown at you like that something will happen out of your control and you've got to manage it so we we were we're in the thick of it in this situation trying to manage this um temple situation but it meant the beauty of this actually was that the days the cutoffs were half six each day um which meant because after half six the elephants come out so no one was allowed out after half six and day four was meant to be the long stage now in an ultramarathon the long stage is like your it's the pinnacle of the week like people once you get a few days in the ultra the long stage is like that's your challenge that's you get through the long stage and that's it and it's typically on day four so we slept in the temple and um the team had to cancel the long stage on day four so we actually didn't do um the 64k on the long stage now 
it was a load of strange emotions going on because obviously that's the pinnacle. And for, for me personally, my challenge is done before it started. I committed to do five 250s this year and all of a sudden I've not, I'm not be able to do a 250. So I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to go and run a loops of a, wherever we are. I'm going to run back and forth for 64K just so <laughs> I get that. Too. So lots of people had different emotions. Some people were angry. Some people were relieved. So what happened? We then slept in the temple, got up, had a little bit of a lion on the Thursday and then went, uh, went to the, our camp, which was meant to be a surprise at the end of day four, at the end of the long stage. Um, we got to camp and there was like a, there was a swimming pool. It was like a luxury camp, a swimming pool there. We were by the side of another lake, which they said we could sleep in. Uh, sorry, swim in. Uh, so some people went swimming. The day after, bear in mind, I was having a bit of a wee in the lake. And all of a sudden, um, there's a local man who was, uh, we had hot water. He'd be um, looking after the fire all day, make sure we have hot water. And he came running over, um, this Sri Lanka man, and, and was pointing in the lake, look, look, look. So I'm like, oh, God, pull my pants up, quick. And then all of a sudden, this huge, now no one ever lie, the huge python was like swimming in the lake. The head was about the size of a watermelon. I've got a video on my phone. I've never seen anything like it. Oh my God. And then the, local, the locals are like, yeah, you're fine. Go and swim in there. You can swim on this side. You're fine. And there's a massive herd of buffalo that are in there. It's like, these guys are massive spiders in the in the toilets it was just crazy it was crazy but um but anyway so what happened on day four so once everyone had got kind of got over the the idea that we're not running today um some people went out and did 12k to round up to, to 200k for the week i did a little bit as well and um just to keep the legs ticking over really but what happened is that the rest of the day we all spent the day in the pool the whole like there must have been 36 people out of 57 left um we all spent the day in the pool talking getting to know each other and everyone just bonded mm. like we slept together like we just we're sharing stories we're sharing it was just a lovely experience and it meant that probably 25 percent of those people wouldn't have finished day four so talking about finding positives and finding kind of yeah positives from negative negative situations that there's a quote that they like I love to use in this it's about finding opportunity in the chaos like there's always there's always an opportunity in the chaos um and I think the opportunity there was the fact that we we bonded we became good friends and it meant that everyone finished on the last day together and we all had the medal we all had the celebration so there's so many good th as much as we didn't finish the whole week it was still the hardest thing I did all, all year last year like it was just by far the toughest yeah and I cried my eyes after that one as well like oh my gosh um oh my I'm gosh. an wreck after I finish one of these things it's hilarious <laughs> But they just, I mean, now now I've got friends for life. That experience, no one's ever going to be able to take away that experience from us. Like the stories about staying in the temple. The I got chased by buffalo on day three as well. Like <laughs> it, it, these things, these 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 stories, like that, no one will ever take them away from you. When you you're sharing it with like-minded people that are from all walks of life, all shapes yeah. and sizes. Yeah we're connected in our experience and in our view of running and it's running is powerful man it's mm. um god i could talk about that all day i'm a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> not at all no that's so inspiring and that's so cool and like i guess i feel like this is a bit of a loaded question as well but what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in running that you've now been able to apply to your everyday life and you talk about like the crossover between oh. a, a lot of ultra a lot of things that you learn from ultras apply directly to your everyday life so with i think the best way to go about this is i learned different lessons from each race sri lanka was about managing intensity i think to compare that to real life you push too hard in real life you you burn yourself out literally you're gonna you're gonna suffer you're mental health will suffer because you can't manage that intensity for long periods of time because you will burn out and i think the same with sri lanka you push that a little bit too hard and, and you, you it's a threat to your life so i think you sri lanka i managed it was all about managing that intensity and, and ensuring that you're able to move forward in a way that 
you're progressing, but also you're still safe. Um, you're still happy. You're still making the most of life and still being able to experience it without doing too much. So that was Sri Lanka. S- Slovenia, um, Slovenia, I was humbled in the training process because obviously I didn't have much time in between each race to, to prepare. But so Slovenia, I was a little bit complacent because I felt so good after Sri Lanka. Like injury-wise, I was fine. Um, blister-wise, I was fine. Shockingly, I don't know how I managed that. And in the training, I let my ego get the better, me, better of me. I went to a, a gym session with a mate of mine. He's a lot stronger than me now. And that kind of ego got involved. And I was like trying to keep up with him. And um, we we're doing some exercises. And, and I did something to the tendon in my knee, which meant that I had four weeks of no running in between two 250Ks, which then causes a lot of stress, yeah. um, unne- unnecessary stress, which meant that when I went into Slovenia, as much as I was still fit and I still had 250K in the legs, I'd lost a lot of the expectation of where I wanted to be wasn't where I thought I would be. So... Mm. Slovenia became a really tough race for very different reasons. And it was all about preparation. It was all about managing the ego and doing what's right for you and your training. So that was that was a big lesson with Slovenia because I became very negative in that race because I was, I mean, it took me until day four to really see the light and kind of get over myself. And it was a, there was a, a section of trail actually where, and I don't understand how this happens in, in ultramarathons, but your body adapts every single day. Like you get, as much as you're in pain, after you finish in the morning, you start running again, but y- your body has its way of adapting to the stress of, of, and, and its environment. And I remember getting about 200K into this Slovenia ultramarathon. Bear in mind, there's about 10,000 meters of climbing over the week. And this was day four and day four was a, it was two huge mountains before it was a really steep descent. And it was on this really steep technical descent that I I finally found this flow that I that I hadn't, had no right to find. And, and we were going down this really steep trail, so steep and so slippery because it was raining the night before that if you jumped and landed, you like skiing and I had poles so it was like right I've got a choice here I ever get my ass and crawl down or I attack this hill with everything I've got and bear in mind my I got my kit quite wrong as well so another lesson uh, I changed my trail shoes too close to the race and they proved that loads of blisters so I was managing blisters as well so I was also frustrated that I couldn't get the best out of myself because I was managing blisters rather than mm. and, like being able to just express myself as best I could but anyway I'm down this trail and I let myself go and it was the first time in the week where I've attacked this attacked this hill and it's like an s-shaped bend down the hill and all of a sudden going around the corner, moving quite quickly. I'm like, right, I can, I can actually do this. Jump in, ski and jump in, ski in. And I saw someone ahead of me, mm. overtook me along the way past. Then I saw another person another, and I realized I was moving much quicker than everyone else down this hill. And by the time I got to the bottom of the hill, the adrenaline, I, get, I, I don't know where it came from, but the adrenaline was so, I'd love to know what chemical reaction happens in your brain when you experience like a flow like this. It's just insane. And I was running, bear in mind, with 200K, 200K into, a, into a race. And I'm running like four minute, 10 splits along this, like for 3K along this flat bit of road. And it felt effortless. Mm. How does that happen? How does that happen? But anyway, Slovenia was about preparation and I got that very wrong and it was managing expectations and trying to be less negative in a situation that you could have been a bit more positive. I don't know. So yeah, no, Slovenia essentially was just about that, managing that. Wales. So Wales was the next race and I'd done Wales the year before. So I think there was an expectation. I knew what was coming and I didn't know whether that was going to be a good thing or a bad thing. But what Wales was all about was being able to manage the unexpected. We, me. we turned up to Wales. And I don't know if you remember last year, but we had a, a heat wave in the middle of August. Yes. So it was exactly the same week that, exactly the same week that Wales was going on. So oh, God. we, no one expected the heat in Wales. And bear in mind, I'm lucky that I'd already experienced Sri Lanka. So I understood what that type of heat felt like. But Wales was about managing that and blimey. It also became really difficult. Wales was about managing the heat and no one expected that type of heat in the hills of Wales in August. Like it was just so far beyond what we expected. And also kind of managing 
um, hydration in those hills. I actually remember there's a, I mean, the lesson in Wales was just expect unexpected, but there was a, there was a part of Wales where um, on day four was the long stage and the long stage was about three and a half thousand meters of climbing 66k something like that and uh we did most of the climbing in the first 30k um mm. we did probably three thousand or two and a half thousand meters in the first 30k um and there was there was a, a particular point in the race where the the checkpoint was quite long so it was it was from checkpoint two to three was about 18 kilometers and i remember doing it the year, the year before that that took about three and a half hours to get through those those checkpoints because it was so far and last year they gave us um water purification tablets because it was such a long distance and we only have capacity to carry x amount of water i remember last year actually using the purification tablet and, and being able to manage that on the go uh, which is cool however this year was bone dry and so ultrax managed to get or they tried to get a, a water station in between the checkpoints around halfway like they did the day before so that you get kind of 9k in you've got a checkpoint and then you've got another 9k but they didn't get there and mm. not for not for me or that I was, I was doing quite well in this race and i was in the top two so myself and, and tim who was leading the race we had passed the point where they made the checkpoint. So, and I'd emptied all my bottles. So I, I had, I took a liter and a half. I drank the liter and a half, ready to fill up another liter and a half at this point, and it wasn't there. Mm. Managing that was one of the hardest things I had to do. And I, to the point where, I mean, this isn't technical ground either. Like we're we're across ridge lines, we're climbing down, uh, rock climbing at times, and I had to focus really hard on actually staying in the zone constantly because I, there were times where I was like wobbling down the hill, like I delirium was setting in and I was getting really severely dehydrated to the point where the one thing I did to focus on staying present it sounds hilarious but the one thing I did to focus on present was focus on how good the air tasted mm, like wow. the, the, the air up in Snowden there's no pollution what's it and I remember breathing in and just thinking oh my god this is like giving me I just like that's the only thing to focus on to keep me like focused and keep me positive yeah I was just, and I was I remember laughing to myself and just like making jokes talking out loud it was it was almost like whatever it takes. And that mm. was the one thing that kept me going um, until we eventually got to checkpoint three. And, and then when we got to checkpoint three, the relief set in and I spent probably 15, 20 minutes then in the, in the checkpoint, just making sure that I rehydrated, ate a load of food and I'm blisters as well during that race, man. Always make sure you've got wide fit shoes for these races and then size up, gee whiz. But yeah, that was Wales. Jordan, same sort of thing. Jordan, the desert was fantastic. I thought actually, I would go as far to say that Jordan was the easiest of the the ultras in the desert you wouldn't think so we did have another heat wave classic um so day one and two was kind of 40 39 degrees um and it was very open very kind of vast and very unnerving to be in the middle of the desert on your own at times but it was magical it was mm. magical things and the stars and camping outside and i mean that experience was amazing in fact the one thing that did happen to me on the last day in jordan this is where the lesson comes in i've just remembered is that both of my hips completely blew up i was having a good race i was enjoying it i was kind of top 10 i think i was 10th and not that finishing in a certain place meant anything in the overall scheme of things like my mm. my big picture thinking i'd set out to do five races this year i'm going to finish five races by pushing too hard i'm putting that at risk so i've got one side of me being like think big picture stop being a dickhead just can't calm down just finish the race walk if you have to and the other side is like you're top 10 like come on compete like I, I, coming from a background of com competitive sport yeah. that 
inner voice is really loud. Um, and it took until the last day where my hips really, because they probably started on day three um, and I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And it took the last day for me to eventually completely flip the narrative in my head. I completely let go of any notion of finishing 10th. I didn't care. So I started walking and I'm quite proud of myself. It's probably, I'm proud of myself for this more so than the other things really, is that I was able to then reframe that moment to think, actually, how can I use this, this to my advantage? I walked, I enjoyed it. I took it day five. I remember singing Greatest Showman at the top of my lungs, like, in the middle of the desert on my own so no one could hear me um <laughs> i remember saying i loved the camels that were walking past and speaking to them i remember every checkpoint that we hit i spent 10 15 minutes with the physios on my hips because i thought the more time i can spend with physios now the better i'm going to be and the more chance because i only had three weeks after jordan to do another 250k so it was like I, I needed to do whatever i could and i remember that shift in mindset it just created so much space for me to just enjoy the moment mm. and the irony is i finished and i finished four minutes before 11th place so I still finished in 10 and I still got to have that moment so mm. that was a real shift for me and in, in terms of like being able to quiet the ego and just flip that another another way that I flipped that situation not that I got all the answers either I don't want to sound like a know-it-all or, or anything here it was just in that moment I was able to find opportunity in what seemed like chaos yeah. Cool. Wow. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. And like, yeah. I guess with that experience and all of these experiences that you've had as a runner, um, you mentioned that you're a coach and a lot of the listeners are like, you know, beginner runners and they're just getting into running. What would your advice be to someone who's just starting out and running and maybe envisions an ultra one day? Um, but just even if they're like just starting out first 5k couch to 5k sort of situation start small start i, I mean and that's rich coming from me because it's it's not what i did um <laughs> it's not what i but i think your confidence will grow with every successful run with every successful session the more that you prove to yourself that you can the better the experience you'll have and i think you've also need you also need to know why you're doing it that's quite a big one really especially when it comes to ultra marathons um because it's such a big endeavor like i think without truly understanding why you're doing it you potentially leave yourself open like i did to the aftermath of, of what was to come I, but then again I, I, if i hadn't done it the way i did it then i wouldn't be speaking here now to you with these experiences so try to understand why if you if you if you're going to run a marathon and you choose to do it as soon as you decide to do it commit to it right to left planning you've got the marathon here where are you work with a coach be smart about it absorb as much information about running as you can and don't put too much pressure on yourself you've got a long time i think some of the some of the the best ultra runners that i know are well into their 40s and 50s mm. like the races are not going anywhere you know you've got time to be able to enjoy the process and not do everything at once and risk injuries like really enjoy it and, like embrace every single step of the way you'll have a much better time you'll learn a hell of a lot more and when, when the time comes to then attack that big race attack that big marathon ultra marathon God, you're gonna be so much stronger for it so i think the pressure off and don't don't rush it too much but again yeah. it's so rich from me it's so rich <laughs> speaking as a coach now not as an individual um so. no that, that, that's good stuff yeah and anything any like last remarks anything you want to share sort of about where your coaching has sort of taken you and what that how that's helped you reflect yourself as an athlete <laughs> i think one of the one of the uh the funny sides of it is is the do as i say not as i do it's i think it's it's easy to I think everyone knows the answers. It's, it's much it's much easier to, it's much harder to walk the path. For athletes that then become coaches and have these like, you know, things that you regret, I guess, maybe in your journey to running. But obviously you don't, you don't 
hundred percent regret it. Cause I've had moments like that too, where I mm -hmm. approached running probably in the wrong way in the beginning, but now I'm a lot smarter about it. But do you take those learnings to your own athletes and like people who you coach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did, I did it yesterday. I'm currently training for my first half Ironman. Um, wow. And I've, I've never cycled really before. So yesterday was, would have been the second time I used cleats. Um, I turned up to a bike ride, a 105k bike ride, a race. And uh, within 30k, I had no waterproof clothes. Um, I had no waterproof protectors for my shoes. So my feet were ice cold. My gloves that I had weren't waterproof. So they were ice cold. My jacket was not waterproof. So you can imagine riding in the wind. I'm like shivering, full shivering after for 30k. Made all the mistakes in the world. And my stubbornness kept me going. It's bad. It's, 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 this is a maybe an, an, a negative thing, really. But I was given a lifeline. I got a puncture and then didn't have anything to replace the puncture. But all of a sudden the mechanic turns up out of nowhere. <laughs> like, oh, the lifeline. He then fixed, replaces the inner tube for me. Within 30 seconds, my tire goes again because there was mm. glass tire, which I didn't know about. And it was at that point that I, that I stopped and I pulled out of the race. Now, hindsight's interesting because if I hadn't had that second puncture, I probably would have put myself at risk and I would have... I'd have kept going for as long as I could, cold, shivering, probably would have got ill because of the cold. I couldn't feel my fingers at times. So breaking down some steep downhills, again, really dangerous stuff. One of my lessons is obviously preparation, which I hadn't learned from last year. And I think there's a balance because there's one thing being prepared. and There's one thing actually doing the thing and starting and ha having the courage to, to do it. And I think I was very naive, stupid, really. And I think there's a balance between the both. Like you've got to be willing to, to throw yourself in the deep end at times. Throw yourself in the deep end with some, at least some knowledge, at least some understanding and at least some preparation. Because on, I mean, I'm very grateful for those two punctures. They saved me from myself. And this time I got lucky and I can walk away from that event with a bit of an excuse, but it's not really an excuse because I know myself, if I'm honest with myself, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any spares. I had the wrong clothing. I was naive. I was stupid, but I can walk away with these lessons and be grateful for them. Mm. on another day it could have been different and I could have got hurt so it's, it's just there's a really um yeah there's a really fine balance between those things and I think I lean too far the one way at the moment so my lesson is to get prepared. yeah again I'm 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 really chatting a lot of rubbish now but um they're interesting perspectives because you've got some people who might be a little bit too scared to throw them in and do too much prep when actually they could have done that a long time ago and they could have been this I don't know everyone's different don't they so no 100% I think there's I, I struggle similarly in the sense that I prior to my most recent injury I was pushing myself way too much hence why mm -hmm. the injury but then in a way I feel that now that I'm coming back to running, I'm very cautious and I'm, I'm getting a lot of people telling me in one ear, you know, you can get this time at the marathon and, you know, if you really push yourself, but I think in my head, I'm really holding myself back, but I was never mm. like that before because I used to just be all in, but almost like too all in that I, like I ran Berlin and London marathon last year, back to back, and then had no rest days, went straight into training for a half and just mm. totally, you know, screwed myself. And so it's it it's really hard to find the balance I think mm. especially if you come from like a competitive background but also you're probably someone as well who holds themselves to a very high standard and so mm. you have a lot higher of goals and even when you meet those goals you probably set an even higher goal because you're constantly aiming to be better but yeah I guess it's it's tough to find the balance in that for sure yeah I mean 
It's about defining success, really, isn't it? What does a uh, what does success mean to you in relation to time, but also your current fitness level? Like, what would success be? I mean, would success be running a PB but getting injured because you mm. pushed yourself too hard? Is that success? I don't think it is. I don't think no. Why do you, why do you, why do you run like why why know? do I run yeah. I mean I I sort of fell into running in during also during the pandemic but um I was going through heartbreak and so I was kind of fell into running so much that I was like running these like near marathon distances over the weekends and people were like are you training for a marathon and I was like no and I just kept but that was like my thing and that was my escape from those feelings of you know and I it was my escape from having to deal with the feelings of you know, heartbreak and stuff like that. And so, and then with lockdown, I kind of then with the first marathon that came, I signed up for that one and just said, yeah, let's just, let's go for it. And then signed up not knowing it was a trail marathon. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I think I've now sort of taken a break from trail running, but I think like, you know, after finding, you know, finding out more about you and all the different incredible races that you've done, I, I do miss, and I do you know, like I said to you, nothing, no other race is really compared to that first trail marathon of just, you know, absolute peak mental toughness, but also coming out of it feeling stronger. And like, I knew myself better than ever before. Yeah, I think the, um, I've not, I can only speak from other people's experiences here with marathons but i think the real difference with trail marathons or trail events and kind of road events is that there is never the pressure on time with a trail marathon it's yes you're you care about your performance yes you care about getting to the finish as as fast as, as fast as you can and and you want to perform but time is never timer is never time is never like the most important thing i spe- and i found this especially with especially with multi-stage ultra marathons that the the course the route is the challenge it's getting to the end. It's it's it becomes a big team sport because you don't compete a bit against anyone else, really. And then yeah, marathons like that as well, where you, you're just competing against yourself. But I feel like the longer ultras, the trails, like you'll you can spend half an hour talking to someone on a trail. You get to know their life story within five minutes. People are, are very open when you're running with someone because I think the barriers are, are pulled down. You you you're you're the most I suppose, exposed version of yourself on the trails. It's the space to be completely you. And maybe that's why connection and genuine human connection, I think, is so prevalent in the sport. It's a big team. It's a big team effort. Like people congratulate each other and it's, yeah, it's a fantastic space. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. thank, I feel like we've we've had some lots of deep conversations and it's been awesome um, chatting and just learning more about your experiences getting into running. And um, I just wanted to give you some time at the end of the episode to share about ways that listeners can connect with you, find you on social media, but also look into getting connected with you for coaching if they're interested in that. Um, And I'll also list all of this in the show notes of the episode um, links and everything so that they can find you. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, if people do want to have a little chat and talk about anything ultramarathons or anything at all, then it's just uh, Lewis underscore Robling on Instagram and then just lewisrobling.com website wise. And yeah, just shoot me a message. I'm very open, very willing to chat to anyone. So just uh, ask away. Thanks, Liz. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was super great to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Big thank you to Lewis for coming on the podcast. And as mentioned, I'll have all of his links and ways to connect with him in the show notes of the episode. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye for now.